Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are, and exploring who we are becoming. We're here. Hello. We made it. Despite all odds, here we all are. <laughs> Y'all, if it if you knew what I had to do to get here today, it's a miracle. Technology yeah, I'm is sure if you guys are professional or not. This is this is a rough start, guys. Mm, yes. Start. We aren't professionals. Thank you very much. I don't claim to be. <laughs> I'm a, we I are not professional technology <laughs> humans in any regard. Yes, I've told the listeners mm-hmm. before. I said, listen, if I didn't have a producer, this podcast would not exist because I am a mental health professional. I am not an AV producer, technological right. professional. Mm-hmm. So miraculous that we're here. But we made it. We're here. <laughs> we did. Mm-hmm. And so all these all these listeners are hearing a new voice. I, I know that we've been, you know, kind of exploring the guests feature of the podcast. We haven't done a lot of guests. And so this summer we've been doing a couple of cool guest uh, spots. So mm-hmm. today we have McKay at what, how do, what, what's your handle? I got to remember your uh, McKay Joe on Instagram. McKay Joe. Okay. So yes. if any, I, I venture to tell you guys that McKay has come across your feed because I did a little deep dive this morning and looked at some of her mega viral posts, and she has some posts that met met like three million, seven million. I think there's another two million, maybe another three million in there. And I'm like, this woman has hit some mega virility in Instagram, and it's all about bees or or bee friendly things. So one of the cool things that I loved about her page was. She talks about so many cool elements about bees and insects and what they mean to her and what they mean to the world. So let's just inter- let's just do an introduction. Let's see, you know, what what your story is. All right. So let's just have you introduce yourself to our listeners and we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked that some of those videos have gotten so many views because it really is just I love bugs. I love bugs. And so to make videos about bugs and to put that out there, it's just pure entertainment for myself. Like I, so I, I took a zoology botany class when I was in high school and I used to say that was like the point that I started liking bugs. And my mom would say, no, 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 McKay. Like as a little kid, like you loved bugs. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. Like it's been my whole life. I've just loved bugs. And so I went to university. I studied entomology, which is the study of insects. I was working primarily with beetles. I love beetles. And in the lab I was working, they have the 10th largest bee collection in the world. So I started like getting into the bee world and thinking, wow, this is 
this is really fascinating. This is really something cool. And so I started beekeeping. I started assisting with hives and then um, doing solo hives. I've been doing beekeeping myself for over a decade now. I teach online classes. My passion is like to teach little kids. There's no money in teaching little kids. So it's not like I can fully focus on that. <laughs> and so, but I, I soon them up in these little tiny bee suits and we go out to the hives and we, I teach the little kids. But so yeah, Instagram was just an outlet for all of that. And then all of a sudden people started liking bugs and I was like, wow, there are people out there like me that like bugs or, I mean, it was just a, a gentler side of it too. Like I enter into that world of insects and it feels creative and inspiring and intricate. And so to be able to be a part of that and not like you can get these crazy YouTube channels that are like, this is what a killer tarantula wasp sting feels like. And you're like, yeah, that's really scary. Like I hate insects. But to show like a gentler side of them and, and a, a creative side of them, I think really has started to resonate with a lot of people. And it just like warms my heart like no other when people are like, I'm not scared of bees anymore because of you. And I'm like, yes, like I, I'm going to have a good night's sleep tonight. You know, like it's just Aww. been so, so fun. So I do that. I do honey tasting events because I've become obsessed with honey and all things bees. And um, I'm back at school. I'm at Cornell doing my master beekeeper program. And so I'm, wow. I'm in it. I like bees. I like insects. And that has become my life. It's crazy, oh, crazy, amazing. crazy. It's amazing. I love that so yeah. much. And the Cornell aspect. Oh my gosh. That's, is that like a, is that one of their, you know, uh, abroad programs or not abroad? What do they call it? A distance program? Yeah. I mean, I have to fly in um, to get my testing done, uh, oh, do testing in like in person. So I'll be flying out to Ithaca, but yeah, everything else is online. Yeah. You're going to be in Ithaca. Yeah. You're so close to me. I'm going to, if you want to meet me, I want to meet you. Cause that's I'm like out. an hour. Yeah, I'm an hour. I'm serious. I'm in, I'm an hour from I'm... Ithaca. And also, here's a fun fact for our listeners. I almost went to Ithaca College until I found out what the tuition was. And I got into Ithaca College because it was my mm -hmm. dream college. Mm -hmm. And then my dad sat me down and was like, this is how much debt you're going to have. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> so that's a fun story. But if you ever come to Ithaca, I would love, oh my gosh, I would love to see you in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that our listeners are going to be like, oh, cool bugs. Like, what are we, what are we talking about today? And what, <laughs> what's really interesting is if you go on McKay's page, what's really, really awesome is she'll kind of talk about how almost like the depth of like how much this means to her. And like, you can really get out of her page, the meaning that it like, what, she is doing means so much to her. And so there was this one post that really captured my attention, which is what really sealed the deal of me being like, I really want to interview her, which was about the power of bees and mental health. And there's a few studies out there. I actually spent the morning doing some research other than my technological issues. I did, <laughs> I did some research this morning, like looking into some of the stuff. And there is some really cool research coming out of interaction with bees and mm -hmm. the implications on mental health. And so one of the prime reasons I was like, Ooh, we're gonna, we're gonna see if McKay wants to talk about this because one of the things is I don't need, you know, we don't need to go in like all of the, you know, clinical science stuff, but I think what would really be awesome and resonating with our audience is how this experience of getting deeper and deeper into this world has 
impacted your mental health or has affected your mental health in any way. So why don't, maybe if you want to start, I mean, I, you be as vulnerable as you need to be and, you know, protect your psyche in any way you need to. But if you want to maybe give us a baseline of like some of the mental health stuff that, you know, maybe you started with, and then as you progressed, that would be such a cool thing to hear of like where you're at now. Sure. I mean, I have always been an optimistic soul and I have never really like struggled with like any depression or mental health. I have a really close friend who has, and sometimes I wish I could have a little taste of that world just to feel that empathy and be able to be a better friend, but it's never, it's never been a thing for me, but I will say that working with bees at the beginning, it felt like there was two types of people that would work with the hives. It was the scientists who did everything by the book and you know to to fight these these mites to fight this treatment you have to use these chemicals and then you'd have the hippie side of it of all these hippies that would say you know no this is natural and you should be doing it this way and it was kind of a weird like place like i almost didn't like take sides i would just kind of find this little middle route that would go um and do my own thing but people would say um the bees can fill your energy they could fill your temperament and i was like "Mm, okay cool you know But after I started working with them more, it was so true. I would be out at the hives and if I was there to get something done, so I'm going through each of the the frames, trying to find the queen, making sure the eggs are there, checking for disease. If I was there in a place of like business, if you will, the bees would get all riled up and I would be fully suited. So I was fully confident and I couldn't get stung, but they would be hitting my suit like they were being aggressive with me. And so I would take a step back I would just breathe. I would be there for the moment and the bees would just calm right down. So they have, they, they fly in a circular pattern when they're calm. It's a curiosity. They're checking out the landscape. And as soon as they start getting aggressive, they'll make a straight shot into your suit. It's a beeline. That's where the word, the phrase beeline comes from. And so so it was really cool that I could just stop and be like, Oh wow. Like these bees are really reacting to like my energy and what I'm bringing to the hive. So it would be um, a little challenge for me that I would be totally present with these bees, that I would come to the hive, I would be there for a mission, but I would be there to assist. I wasn't the one in charge. I was the one checking to see what the bees needed from me. (laughs) And I started leaning into this like hippie side of it and just fully surrendering myself to their energy. And that like has elevated my time with them. Like I feel like, It's like when I have a stressful day, when, um, I don't know, I can be with the bees and they can calm me. Now, there's been studies done where it's um, the bees, they hum in the key of C and it's a meditative, it's a calming tune. And so a lot of like PTSD uh, uh, victims, they will be encouraged to work with bees and this is calming for them. It's, it helps them be present. I think it's a combination of the hum but also a combination of just of just being there. So um, it's I, it's gone to the point where I wear minimal protection. I've gotten a face sting before, and that is no fun. So you always make sure you wear your veil. But after that, I don't have my gloves on. I you know I have a shirt that they could sting through, and if I get stung, it's ninety nine point nine percent my fault. I've grabbed a bee when I'm grabbing a frame, and he stings. She stings my hand, or and that way. 
I have to be present. You have to be there or else they start getting aggressive. And um, it's a fun little meditative pr- uh, practice. And I've found that whereas I don't deal with heavy mental health issues, there has been people, I mean, I've introduced so many people to the hive and we'll suit them up and we'll take them out there. And there are a lot of people that will be there and just, it's just a very beautiful calming effect. It's very, very mm-hmm. spiritual. It's very hippie. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm sold on all these hippie ideas, but um, it makes sense. It's mother nature. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> she's such a great teacher, you know? And so, I mean, there's even places now where you can go and the hive it's so it's like a little house, like a little shed. The hive is built into the wall of the shed, kind of in like a little bench and the exit for the hive is on the exterior of the shed. So there's no bees inside, but you can lay on top of the hive and you're not going to, there's no bees in the, around oh. you, but they, you know, they're coming and going and you can feel as you lay on them, you can feel the hum of the hive and you can, and there's a lot of medical research being done about the air that's around the bees that is you know in combination with the propolis and the beeswax and the honey and just like breathing that in feeling the hum of the bees and people will pay to go to these sanctuaries and just lay with the bees that's all they're doing and i'm about to i'm about to go sign myself up let's do it yeah (laughs) yeah but the thing is too is that it's not just bee i mean bees do have like some heightened properties and some like high risks, if you will, if you're not in that too. I mean, like if you're not there, if you're not present, the bees are going to get aggressive. And so mm-hmm. you really have to like, you have to get, check yourself, you know, but yeah. I found that with, with all the insects, you know, like I am out there, mm-hmm. if I'm studying something aquatic and I'm at a river, you really have to like know what you're looking for. You have to be calm. You have to be present and you're in a river <laughs> sitting there waiting for an insect. Like how wonderful is that to feel yeah. the energy of the water, the energy, like nature itself and so many ways is, is so healing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because like Instagram and social media promotes almost exactly the opposite. You know, everything is very fast paced, very, I don't know, chaotic, very, I don't know, clickbait and so it's funny that I've found kind of like a weird combination of that because as mm-hmm. I'm creating content for my channel, like I'm trying to capture a picture of a bee carrying pollen back to the nest. So I'm like waiting in a field of flowers for like two hours. I'm just there. I'm just present. Mm-hmm. And then when I get the picture, I feed it back into this machine that causes all kinds well. of chaos. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It but is. Yeah. It's a dichotomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but I, whereas... I haven't struggled with things like that. It really still has changed, has changed my life. Like how inc- incredible is that, that I connect with nature every day. Like nature is the ultimate healer. I see it in the kids that I bring to the hive too. Um, there was this one kid, suit them, suit them all up. There's no way these kids are going to get stung. I've worked with over a hundred kids. None of them has stung. Like we're set. One kid had like a veil on with a very flat uh, screen in front of him and he went to the hive and he just bent down and put his head right on the bees and (laughs) stood up and he had like bees all over his hood. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, (laughs) but just like, he just was curious. He just wanted to see what the bee. And so I'm taking the brush and I'm brushing his face off. But like, it just was amazing how they, they have no fear and to watch 
these rambunctious, crazy kids come to the hive and understand that, like, I mean, it's something so new to them. So we open up the hive and they're standing there so curious that it just, it, they calm right down. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's really cool to yeah. see in little kids. Yeah. I mean, CA, That's CA really cool. I'm, I'm curious what you have in reaction to this because we were just talking about like the impact of animals and bugs mm-hmm. and like being out in nature. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on because uh, this is always been a huge passion of mine as well is nature and bugs. Um, I was that kid at recess that would never like go and play, but I would just literally go sit out in the fields and like play and like pick, (laughs) pick, like make flower crowns out of like wild daisies and clover blossoms. And then like watch the, watch the bumblebees like feeding on the dandelions and all of that. That was me. (laughs) I was that kid growing up. And so, and it's the main thing that I draw. I always, I'm drawing bugs. I'm always drawing flowers and trees and things like that. So I understand like creatively, like there's so much that we can get from nature, but I, I love that we're talking about this today because I love to explore the intersectionality of like those moments of fully immersing oneself into the experience of nature and how that positively impacts our genuinely speaking, our overall health, including our mental health, of course. But I think one of the key concepts has to do with what you were getting at with that like mindfulness necessity almost like you can't be distracted you can't be thinking about what's you know what you're gonna go grocery shop for later or you know dwelling on some interaction you had last week that you're you know upset about like it's like if you want to actually be observing the animal whatever it is if we're talking about an animal or an insect or whatever it's like you just have to all and it's so intuitive it's not even like you have to force yourself to do it. It's like your mind just knows what to do and everything like just quiets down and you just tune in. And I think there's something obviously, as we've said, there's something really specific about bees because of that buzzing and because it's buzzing at a frequency that is naturally known to calm our nervous systems down. So there is that sort of like sensory element to bees that not every creature has, right? Like not all creatures make noise like that, but you know, there still is a mindfulness element, I think, to any of it. I do think there's something really neat about bees because it has that like heightened sensory experience, which for me as a neurodivergent person, that's extremely intriguing to me. I have spent like a little bit of time um, observing bees and I've taken a tour of a beehive, you know, one time um, (laughs) at a local place around here. And I think I experienced what you're talking about, just sort of this like intuitive knowing of you just like start coming into their space and you realize you're in their space and Mm -hmm. you're just here to sort of Like you're having almost like a privilege of getting to observe and experience what they do so beautifully and masterfully. And it was like my whole body and my whole mind just knew intuitively to like quiet down and like slow down and just watch and listen and observe. And I think there's something really, really useful here for our listeners to think about. So it doesn't necessarily have to be bees if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh 
why are these people so obsessed with bees? I mean, obviously, like we have a bee expert in our presence. That's why we're specifically talking about that. But I think there is something to be said about considering nature and animal as a very animals, sorry, um, as a very like integral part of healing. I, I think we sometimes like think about these things so disconnectedly and that's very telling of our society and the sort of way that our brains have been like trained to compartmentalize like everything but Mm -hmm. the more time I think especially the more time you spend in nature the more you literally observe just how interconnected everything is and that goes for us Mm -hmm. as humans as well our brains our bodies everything inside of us is so interconnected so to think that engaging with something that is, you know, somatically like in the body, a very healing experience doesn't affect our mental health is, you know, in in my opinion, you know, not, not accurate. I think we need to understand our health in a much more holistic way. And so um, we've talked about that on this podcast in the past, actually, like body led healing and somatic healing Mm -hmm. methods. But I don't think we touched on this specifically in that episode. So I'm kind of glad that we're doing a deep dive because I believe this falls under that category. Interacting with animals, interacting with insects, interacting with nature is a form of somatic body led healing because our bodies, it's such a sensory experience. Like that's how Mm -hmm. we interact with nature. We're not interacting like with what like just our brains no like our bodies are there we are we are physically present and doing those things and observing those and yeah so I think that this is something I'm just ah I could go on and on but I'm like really excited that we're talking about this and how it intersects yeah (laughs) well and I think like you you talked about how it's intuitive and I've noticed that with with kids it usually is and but Mm -hmm. with adults it sometimes it's not It's interesting Interesting. how um, there's kind of two different types of people that I'll bring to the hive is that one has that curiosity, reverence, like focus, like whatever you want to call it. When they get to the hive, they can kind of shift into a mode where like it's it's very foreign. It's like to stand in a place where you have 100 bees around you flying that if you're not protected, they're going to sting you, you know, so it like Mm -hmm. I mean, not not necessarily they're not out to attack you but you know what I mean like there's a potential there for like oh my gosh like my whole life I've kind of ran from bees and now I'm surrounded by them there's an element there and um some people so I had a I had an eccentric gay friend that came with me to the hive and I'll say I say to him you know if you get nervous just walk away just walk away you know like you know a hundred you know not even a hundred feet if you go 10 feet 15 feet away the bees aren't going to be there you can calm down and when you're ready come back you know, and, um, and I was like, say, you know, and if you get stung, same thing, like just walk away, come back. So he's there and we're open up the hive and it, it, the, you know, the bees come out and they're buzzing around and he gets so nervous. And, and, and in that state, anything can kind of play with your mind a little bit. And so it was like the suit kind of poked him in the weird way. And he, he goes, I've been stung. I've been stung. So he walks away and then he calms down. He's like, oh, I, I wasn't stung. And then he like comes back into like the chaos and he's there for a while. And then he's like, I've been stung. I've been stung. And he walks away. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? You know? And so he, it was weird for him because it was such a, it was such a mind game for him to like be in there. 
But after a while, like after, you know, 10, 15 minutes of being there and like handling the hives and seeing how gentle these creatures are and just like taking deep breaths and being like, no, I'm not stung mind. Like, let's not play these games right now. Mm -hmm. And being able to Mm -hmm. calm down. It was really cool to see him like transition into that. So I feel like some, some people, I mean, not like nature does come with a complete element of familiarity but sometimes we lose that like we don't like people are so disconnected with nature that they come into that and it feels so foreign to them but it's in there they got it in there somewhere so so to remind them and, and slowly reconnect with that I feel like I mean to steal your words it is it's healing it's very healing and so yeah some people are not as intuitive or as connected to that as others. I think, so it's, it's I, fun to watch that. Yeah. I think what's really cool is when you think about any type of, I mean, we could call it spiritual. Some people, you know, steer from that because of trauma and stuff. But if you think about like the ethereal nature of it's like another level of connection, what's interesting is when you think about how some children and you can talk to anyone who's you know you know maybe doing a nature walk or whatever it's it's interesting how children have this innate sense of connection and being able to just be present um even though you know kids are usually touted as like chaotic and all over the place and yes they are but i i think they're both and i think they are kind of all over the place and if you ask them to be present they can be me and my kids just started this like nightly ritual of like gratitude together. Um, and it sounds kind of like textbook cliche, but I I'm surprised at how meaningful it can be to, you know, just light Mm -hmm. a candle or start a process Mm -hmm. and then everything settles in. And it's like, they have this inherent wisdom of what it means to be connected. And what I think is like, it's almost like if you go into the spiritual community and you hear adults try to tap into like anything spiritual, right? Like, I don't know how to connect with myself. I don't know how to connect with others. Right. And then they're trying to learn some skills around that. I hear a lot in the spiritual community that all these, all adults, I mean, every human has the skill. It's just that we'll lose the skill. Right. So like, to me, I think that we all at like your friend, most likely had that skill at some point and then the world got in the way the chaos of the world got in the way the balance got off and now we're not able to tune in as well and like we do talk about that skill on this podcast about tuning into the self mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I felt so passionate about bringing you on was to me we can talk more about the vehicles for tuning in because yes we do a lot of like introspection a lot of self-reflection and some of us need more assistance than just a self-prompt right and Mm -hmm. so we hear a lot about mental health walks we hear a lot about getting out into nature we hear about connecting with others and as you both were talking one of the things that started entering my mind was like frequency and vibration And in this podcast, we talk about becoming safe psychological humans. Like we talk about being able to be a safe space for yourself and your own processing and being that for other people, which means we are called to a greater action within ourselves if we constantly, let's say, reject other people or we bully our friends or we make fun of them and make them feel unsafe or whatever we're doing in the spirit of lightheartedness we have to realize that we are creating, and this is going to get a little esoteric for a second, but we're creating a frequency. And when we're creating a frequency that is in dissonance 
with the other people around us. It reminds me of what you said happens when you're going in front of those bees. It's like the frequency's off and you're noticing that and you're realizing that the power that's in front of you has a frequency of calm, a frequency of curiosity. And what's so What's so cool about that is me and CA actually talk specifically about that skill of curiosity almost mm-hmm. I mean how many times have we said this I feel like it were you know a broken record It's one of my point. it's one of my core values as a human so well, yeah, curiosity? is curiosity is curiosity 100% that, yeah. And so yeah. McKay one of the things that you said that perked my ears up was when you said I took on and you didn't use the word vibration but or frequency, but almost like if you let's say reframe that and say something like taking on the frequency of curiosity changed the way that the bees interacted with you. And I'm like, yes, that's so fascinating to me, because if you think about it, yeah. you just said the, the the flow of the bees when they circulate in a circle, that's the freak. That's the frequency mm-hmm. of curiosity. Right. And I thought that's so cool because I, I said that. As humans, right? What could we learn from bees? What can we learn right now in this moment, all three of us from bees? And to me, I'm like, right now, what I'm learning is when I take on the frequency of curiosity, I'm actually creating more safety in my environment. That's mm. powerful. Yeah. That's I really totally powerful. Agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, it's interesting to look at bees in this perspective. Like usually I come on podcasts, we talk about the benefits of honey and like yeah. the, you know, the structure <laughs> of the hive. So it is fun to like step back and, and see them in this way. I think, um, like I said, all, all insects, nature can be beneficial in this way. But yeah, there is something, there is something elevated about the bee structure. It's, I mean, there's studies that still come out to show more and more how how different bees are and how closely like how they communicate with each other how they structure their hive a lot of people think that they have facial recognition and so that the bees can know who you are which is very interesting um the way that they will surrender their lives to the the sake of the hive the whole you know like there are a lot of things that they do that yeah they kind of play into that that magic of the bees if you will and i feel like yeah that's i mean how how beneficial is that to just be around something that is just so because i mean that's all it does is spark curiosity like you're around and you're Mm -hmm. thinking well why why are they doing that okay well then why are they doing that well what's going on here like it's just like it's this never-ending hole and that's one reason i've loved being a part of the bee world and like going back to school for all this, like, so I've, mm. I've been doing bees for over a decade and thinking, okay, I want my master beekeepers. Like, this is what I want. Right. And then thinking, you know, I'm going back to school and like, what can they teach me? Like, I've been doing this forever. Like, I know everything. Mm. But then I get into school and I'm like, oh my hell, there's so much more, you know, like, mm. and how cool is it is that it, it feels like a bottomless pit, you know, that you can right. place wow. yourself in a situation. And it's not like you're like, okay, I learned about bees. Like, let's see what's tomorrow. You know, it's like, no, like this is a deep dive that can like keep you in this motion of like curiosity. It can keep you there, which is really cool. Two things that just stood out to me listening to you was one, when you said the concept of, you know, just like how much there is to learn about the bees and you were talking about how they set up their, you know, social structure and their colonies and all of that, um, what I was thinking about was how 
being in close proximity to those bees, you know, doing beekeeping for as long as you have, first of all, that takes you outside of yourself. And now you're feeling part of something bigger, right? Like you're, you're contextualizing yourself in this framework of, whoa, like I'm just this little part of this huge world. And so you're already taking yourself out. And then what I find so like poignantly beautiful is how like bees are actually like a microcosm of that exact concept. You watch them and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's exactly what they're showing us that they are just one small part of this huge whole situation Mm. that they've got going on and so it's like they're actually teaching you the lesson and you're you are the lesson while you're watching the lesson does that make sense I'm sorry but that just like actually like hit me I was like whoa that is so cool like the mirror where like the mirror keeps going and going and going but anyway um (laughs) if anybody followed that that, congratulations and then the (laughs) the other thing I wanted to tell the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, there was two other animals that came to mind for me that give me like a really similar like vibe to what we're talking about. And that's horses and cats. Horses mm. are really, really well known for being completely sensitive to the mm. the vibrational frequency of the humans that are in their proximity. And so that's why there's also a ton of like equine therapy options that are out there. And who knows, maybe some of our listeners have done it or are actively doing that. But it's a very similar concept where it like forces you to come into your body and out of your mind and be very calm because they're picking up on your energy, you're picking up on their energy. And it's kind of like this mutual exchange of calming, soothing energy. And that's how you actually connect with the horse and get it to trust you. And then, you know, you, that's how, you know, that sort of relationship goes. And it's super, super similar with cats as well. Cats are really well known to like, they're not just like BFFs with everybody. Like they are going to come to you when they're ready. And what I have observed as a cat owner, I have two cats, one is a kitten, and I am going to bring her on screen in a minute because she's brand new. We've had her for six days. She's four months old. She's so cute. Um, But I have observed this is um, I've noticed because they say, you know, like cats will come to you when they're ready and like you can prompt and like get sort of near them and try to offer your hand for them to sniff, but you can't force a cat to like jump in your lap and love you. Like that's just not how they work. What I've noticed is that what makes them more likely to quote unquote come to you has to do with that like demeanor. If you are in a space of, I have an agenda, I want to pet you, I want to Mm. hold you, they're going to pick up on that. And they're like, excuse you, no. Um, But if you're much more in that mindset of I'm calm, and I'm just curious, and I would like to get to know you. And would you mind coming over to introduce yourself and smell me so that we can like be buddies? Like if that's your vibe, they're going to respond to that. And I've noticed like I have talked to my kids through that. Like you can't chase after a cat or you're going to just, it's just going to run away and it's never going to want to come near you because it's just going to see you and think, oh, that's the kid that chases me. So I've had to kind of like walk them through. If you want to bond with this animal, you need to rest and you need to sit and just be present and observe 
And then like you can call their name and you can offer your hand and you will watch as they will come up to you as they feel your calmness. And we're actually like genuinely going through this process again because we did this with our first cat three years ago. And now we're doing this process all over again. They're all older and different ages. But um, my seven-year-old in particular, he's so enthusiastic and he loves this kitten. And he has been like, I just want to hold her mommy. And I'm like, I know, I know. But like, I'm telling you, she's going to live for 15 to 20 years. And if you want to have a long lasting good relationship with her, how you treat her in these first couple of weeks is going to impact literally the rest of your relationship with her. So I know it's so hard to be patient and wait for her to come to you, but you cannot be chasing her right now. Um, and so that is, that is what we've been working on, but here she is. Look at this baby. Oh my. This is is Matilda. We call her (laughs) Tilly. Oh, she's cute. My little baby. Um, And what's neat about cats too is they also have that sort of sensory experience that we talked about with the bees. Um, Cats and dogs, it's been proven that if you pet them for 10 minutes, it like actually reduces your cortisol levels. That was a Cornell study, actually. That was a Cornell study that they did a couple of years ago. And they took saliva samples of students um, and measured the cortisol levels and then literally just had them like pet animals, like furry animals, cats and dogs, for 10 minutes, took the saliva samples again, and it was like across the board, cortisol levels reduced. And so I think that's amazing. And then cats also have that, um, the purring mechanism, which vibrates at a frequency that's known to have like actual healing properties Mm. for like bones and connective tissues, which is pretty crazy. So those were a couple of thoughts that came to mind, the healing power of animals, but also just that concept of how our, like the tone that we set is this sort of like symbiotic relationship to the other creatures around us. And of course that would apply to the other humans around us as well. We're probably just less aware of it than animals are. Animals are just like so much more in tuned to their like physical like experience probably. We're so in our minds, but I do think like our bodies pick up on that even if we consciously are not processing it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I feel too, um, you know, bees have been introduced to a lot um, of like pesticides, chemicals, like so much is like impacting the hive that they suffer. And it's almost to the point where they need assistance to be able to thrive. And so it's crazy because there has to be like a beekeeper to help if you want a healthy thriving hive, if you're using it to pollinate your crops or whatnot. And so there's like this two, two kind of mindsets as you go into beekeeping is like, okay, like I know what chemicals I'm going to use for this mite, or I know what I'm, you know, and there's a million ways to, to, to do all of these things, you know, how you, how you approach keeping your hive healthy. But um, yeah, there, there's, I've noticed that the beekeepers, I, I teach a lot of beginning beekeepers. I've noticed that the beekeepers that don't like they are just checking boxes. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to administer this type of like medication to help them in the spring. I'm going to do these types of checks in the summer. Like when they've kind of laid out this plan, um, their hives suffer, you know? And I have, I have about 20 hives right now and every hive I, I treat differently. Every hive I'm, I open up and I'm like, okay, 
ladies, like what's mm. going on today? Like what, what is, what do you need? Like what's happening, you know? And sometimes they get to the point, like I'm very, I'm very hippie. I don't like using chemicals in my hive, but sometimes the hive gets to a point where it's like, okay, I need, I need something else. I need a little extra level to kind of help these ladies out. And so um, to be in tune and like, I, like, yes, like you said, like we are there to observe, to assist, to see what they need. And I've noticed that beekeepers who aren't doing that are not finding as much success in mm. keeping their hives alive and thriving, which is interesting. Well, it's, we're there it's to, actually, we're there to yeah. I mean, think about the parallel there with mental health though. That blows my mind. There's such a parallel because I'm the type of clinician, I'm a licensed therapist. And I'm, I tell people like, you are your own expert. That hive, it's, it's, is its own expert. It knows what it needs. And if it literally encounters someone that's trying to assist them, it will tell the assistant or the beekeeper what it needs. And I love that you said, what did you say? You had 10, 20 hives? How many did you have? 10, how many? 20, hives you yeah, have? About 20. 20. That's, oh my gosh, just that number alone just blows my mind. But if you have 20 hives, like I know that that's what, however many bees, but I think about if you look at it as a collective system and you're not looking at it as a monolith, like it's only like one tone of like, this is where I feel like that prescriptive, like this fits everyone. This is why one our size podcast fits is all, all about yeah. the nuance, right? We like, we can't yeah. do one size fits all. People are like, what's the solution? We're like, we literally can't tell you that. Yeah. We can tell you some of the nuances that happen in trauma and healing and, and depression and anxiety and all these different mental health topics. And you are your own individual. Like if I, you know, if I go into the collective B, B terminology, you are your collective hive, you know what's going on. And so when you're struggling and you, you meet someone that's trying to assist you and that they're trying to tell you, and this is actually one of the warnings, uh, I actually talk about it in my book that's coming out. I tell people there's a warning I have for you when you're doing the healing process. And it's those people, and it's similar to the beekeepers you see that have uh, failing or failure to thrive hives, right? It's the people that come in and say, I know what you need. I'm not going to listen to anything that's nuanced about you. I'm not going to listen to the context. I'm going to tell you that there's one thing that you need and that's it, right? And what you were saying is like, I had to adapt. I had to go in and figure out what this system needed. I need to understand the hive. And as many mm -hmm. people are like, wow, that's way too up in the air. And I'm sure some, I'm sure some bee experts will be like, that's not what I do, whatever, you know, move on to the next hive that doesn't thrive. I sit there and I go, well, that's a disservice to the collective system. And then I see that parallel of what happens in mental health where people are like, well, they told me I would just get better. And I'm like, well, are you actually tuning into what you need? Because yeah. you carry your own wisdom. You yeah. have your own intricate things that are happening inside of you. And so, yes, we can kind of like, like be wisdom, right? You can say collectively, mm -hmm. this is good for a hive, right? But what you said is when there's an actual specific thing that's happening, if I go blindsided and I go, no, um, this is just, I'm just going to go and I'm just not going to listen to what's in front of me. I'm just going to go into the collective, you know, I go, well, that's where I think people do suffer. I really do think people suffer in the healing process. Cause what you're really trying to do is you're trying to heal a collective system by ignoring its individual parts. And I go, yes. Ooh, yeah. no, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. 
Agreed. Totally agreed. I love that. Yeah. yeah, these parallels between the two are really fun, you guys. You're spot on thinking about all that. There's so many. The more the more I've div- like dived into this during this episode, I was just also thinking about another one, which is like how that these are such a great um, example of interdependence, like healthy interdependence. Yes, for two reasons. One, like just the way the way they operate together as a as a hive is a beautiful mm-hmm. like interdependent. You know relationship how they're you know relying on one another and everybody like understands how to best like get the collective needs met and nobody's like harm like it in the in the minds of the bees it wouldn't make sense to like harm their fellow bees for personal gain because there is no such thing right it's like no like we're all in this together making honey together so we all need to be like mindful of one another's needs and our own needs to make sure that the whole thing stays healthy. So that came to mind. But also when you were talking about how we're basically at a point in our modern world now where in order for a lot of these bees to thrive in a healthy way, they actually do need beekeepers to assist in that, to make sure that they stay healthy. And that to me is also a beautiful example of healthy interdependence where it's not that the bees are incapable and don't know how to, you know, like build comb and make honey. Like obviously they inherently very much know how to do all of that all on their own. Um, But we're at a point now where they just need some human assistance to make sure that they stay safe from all of these dangers that are not supposed to be part of their natural habitat, but lo and behold, they're here. And so And then, you know, the way that like you as the human beekeeper are never like what I'm what I'm getting at is like the way that you are describing how you assist them is so respectful of their inherent Mm -hmm. ability and wisdom. You're not overriding what they already naturally can and know how to do and thrive in doing. You're just like, okay, what's a little bit of support that they need from me? And that's that's what you're there to provide. You're not there to just be like, all right, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I'm going to fix you and, and make you do exactly what you're supposed to do, what I need you to do, et cetera. It's much more of this very sure. respectful. And it takes like, a little effort. Like that's not the easy route to take, you know, like, yeah. and it's, it's, it takes effort. It takes time. It takes understanding. There's a lot that goes into mm-hmm. that, but it's in the long run, route. it's the more, the, the most fulfilling route for sure. For sure. I love that. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of the intersectionality of the creatures that are around us and mental health. I I guess I'm curious what, I guess maybe your next, what's, what's next for you? If there's anything you want to share with people about what's on your radar. Yeah. Oh man. I, so much, so much. I mean, uh, having a baby in less than a month and that is, I know. So soon. I know. So scary. So crazy. All the things, but just thinking about like how I want to, uh, raise a family, how I want to set the, the tone in our house, you know, like, I mean, Mm. I bring bugs in the house. We got all kinds of cages right now going of hatching caterpillars and cockroaches and all kinds of weird stuff. And, um, but I, I want to, I want to be in nature as much as possible, you know? And so, I mean, 
what's what's on the horizon is just to keep digging, keep doing all the things I'm doing. Um, I think too that a lot of times we don't know how to help this little insect world. We don't know how to navigate it because we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are scared of bees mostly because they don't know. They don't know that they're gentle creatures or you're frightened of some type of insect that can be ha- harmless just simply because you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think my quest is to continue educating, to continue letting people know. I mean, I, I, I need to... I need to do a shout out on Instagram about this. I found a couple of really great books of just your bee classification, bee identification. So you can go out in your backyard, you have your little book and you can sit amidst your flowers and you can find all the bees in your yard and what different types they are. Because so the honeybee, there are 20,000 different species of bees and the honeybee is just one of those threads. So to say save the bees and you're only worried about the honeybee is about as stupid as saying save the birds and you just focus on the chicken like it's Mm -hmm. like it's insane and sometimes because i mean bees are not native to the us and sometimes if you have this thriving backyard ecosystem everything's balanced you have your pollinators coming in and you think you know what i want bees i want to connect with this world i want bees so you bring in this hive you're introducing 60 to 100,000 little bees into your yard. This can push out all the pollinators that are already there. And then after a year, you know, this is too hard. It's not something I want to do. You get rid of the hive. And then it takes three years for your whole garden to that ecosystem to balance out again. And a lot of the native bees will suffer. And a lot of times when we say the bees are endangered, like um, the pollinators, we need to focus on them. It's not about the honeybee. It's about all these little native bees. It's the bumblebees, the mason bees, the squash bees, the sweat bees. And if you know what these are, I mean, a sweat bee is a metallic green bee that looks aggressive. It looks like a wasp. And it is very efficient at pollinating. It does a much better job one-to-one ratio than a honeybee would. And so to have a sweat bee in your yard is a really good thing. But if you don't know what it is, you might kill it, you know? And so to get out your bee book and sit in your garden, you know, like next year, next spring, focus on a bunch of like bee thriving flowers, you know, plant yourself a little pollinator garden. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. And then to be able to sit and get out your book and do your bee watching and check off all the bees you can see in your yard. I I work at a co-op and it's this beautiful garden. And I was there one morning, it was a little while ago. And I said, okay, I'm not leaving until I see 10 different species of bees. And I was gone in 15 minutes. Like that was it. I just needed 15 minutes to find 10 different species, you know? And so it's it's fun to, I think knowledge is power. And I feel like it, it um, sends us down that path of like wanting to know more, of being present. If you know what something is, it's exciting to see it in real life. You're like, oh my gosh, that's the orange belted bumblebee. Like, what, what, what is it doing? Where's it going? You know? And so I think that's been, it has been, and will continue to be one of my main goals is to just get people excited, show them the softer side of, side of insects and give them the knowledge that when they're out there, they'll spend an extra couple minutes looking at the, the flowers, looking at the insects. So... I was just thinking when you said knowledge is power, my brain almost filled in and said, and curiosity is the fuel of that power. 
Oh, I know. Right. I was like, Oh, where did that come from? (laughs) Good job me. Um, and I, but it is because it's like the only way you get to the knowledge is to have that curiosity fueling the question itself, right. Of observing that bee and then allowing and like developing the skill of curiosity to say, instead of run away or squash it is what is that? Oh, then going and looking it up. And I actually even have um, an app on my phone that lets you take pictures of insects and tries to identify it for you. And it's fairly accurate. I've had like a handful of inaccuracies over the years, but like it's, it does a pretty decent job. And so just like having some like tools, like your book, like the book that you're talking about or that app on your phone to like get to a place where your default is to ask a question rather than like assume and like repress whatever it is. And this applies yes to nature and also to our own selves. Right. So like if something pops up inside of you to get to a place where your default is, what is this feeling? Where's this feeling coming from Mm. rather than ew, feeling, no, stop, run away, stop thinking about it or numb it or whatever, whatever, you know, unfortunate like defaults we pick up throughout life. And I feel like it's, this is all just so paralleling in my mind. This is exactly how it is with nature as well. We probably innately, intuitively as children knew to just be observant and be curious. And then somewhere along the line, we started developing like weird biases and things against bugs and animals and like fear instead of curiosity. Um, and that is something or I've said on this podcast like, before. I got this, you know? Just yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I know what to do. Like, I, oh, I know what this is. This is bad. Like run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always say, I've said this before is that the, the opposite of fear isn't courage, it's curiosity. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, obviously applies to this as well. So That is, I love your idea of, you know, encouraging people to take on, you know, observing bees or other parts of nature as, you know, a practice to like mindfully look into and really consider doing because I just think it would be so beneficial to their mental health and overall health. Yeah, absolutely. Invest in a good magnifying glass and get out there, you know, it's like what? I love it. I mean, the one thing I would want some of the listeners to take away is there is so much more power in curiosity than there is in fear. And people are like, no, fear is the main motivator. And I go, fear is the main dampener of knowledge. Like it literally dampens your ability to access the knowledge you need for your personal growth for anything. Right. And that's what I think. If you think about what's one of the main things on the like a lay person who doesn't have any knowledge of bees thinks of fear scared bees stinging oh my god what happens if I get stung oh no right and then you know there's another layer of oh we gotta you know save the bees for pollinators you know that's another layer that culture says um but think about fear fear being the biggest presenting you know emotion when people say bees that is actually a barrier for your own ability to connect with them. But also if we're talking about the parallel of mental health, if we have fear, right, we don't ask any more questions. We're just like, I'm scared, right? And so what CA was saying, and this is the skill set that I would help, you know, the listeners extract is if we're going to help extract some skills from this episode, it would be ask more questions And then when you feel fear arise, instead of being like, 
oh gosh, I have to push it away. Remember, one of the skills we talk about is just practice the pause. Pause while you're in the fear and say, what am I actually scared of? What am I afraid of, right? And where did that fear come from, right? And then there's this whole thing I could take people on with like, bees because how many times have you gotten stung right and you know unless you have a deadly allergy or something it's a sting and you could learn even after you got stung right like you could experience the thing you're so deathly afraid of and then realize you're gonna make it you're gonna be okay like you're gonna get beyond it and then getting beyond that is like oh more of a lesson if you can be like okay even if everything came to fruition as long as I have, you know, my sense of self on the other side of that, can I actually get through it? I'm like, yes, this is what fear can teach us is that we can actually even experience the thing we're so scared of. And then if we let it teach us something, we can actually gain such a world of information and a richness of information that the fear was blocking for us. So I for really- sure. And a lot yeah. of times when I'll take people to the hive, I'll, I'll teach them about bee venom therapy, which is like a, a new upcoming awesome thing. And, you know, and so I like even now when I get stung, it still sucks. I don't sure. have an allergy to it, but it still gives a good little zing, you know. Sure. But I'm learning to like love it because bee venom, ther- bee venom is like magic. It's doing amazing things in like breast cancer cells and Lyme's wow. disease and all these things. And so like, I'll say to, I'll give a little spiel to anyone. I mean, they're usually always suited up first time they come to the hive, you know, but I'll say, and if you, but if you get stung, like count your lucky stars, because this is really beneficial in all these ways. You're you know? getting, Which, you're getting free health benefits. Exactly. <laughs> People are paying exactly. hundreds of dollars for this stuff. <laughs> you just got it for free. Exactly. And I mean, like, I mean, it's amazing. Like what you said, like, it's like, instead of fear, you're replacing it with knowledge. And it just, mm. it's like, okay, well, that works, you know? Yes. So, exactly. yeah. All right. I can't, I can't let you go without asking you, what mm-hmm. is the best honey that you have tasted and why was it the best? Oh my heck. Oh my heck. I don't know. So I collect honey from all over the world. I have honey from different altitudes, different seasons, different like there the honey, if you want to dive into honey, it is the most incredible superfood. The health benefits, mm-hmm. everything is wonderful. And I collect it. So I do honey tastings and we sit down and that's really fun too because you have a flight of honey in front of you and I walk you through each of the honeys and you experience the honey from that region. And it's a very like present moment. And in that moment, I gotcha. And I can teach you a lot about bees and it's really, really fun. And so I don't know. I I mean, everything, there's a fireweed honey that's from high altitudes. That is a beautiful, Mm -hmm. like white clear honey that is just, it is magic. And if you get it from the right source, one of the best things you'll ever taste or, um, not, it was last year, or maybe it was the year before there was, um, the lantern flies that were infesting the East coast. Did you guys see those? The I lantern think flies? I remember hearing about it. I don't know if I experienced I it. I remember hearing about it. Coming across mm-hmm. my radar. Yeah. yeah. Invasive species. And it was attacking the tree of heaven, which is an invasive plant. And as it attacked the tree, the tree in defense was producing a bunch of sap to try and get these mm-hmm. lantern flies mm-hmm. off of it. Well, the sap, the honeybees started eating the sap. And all of a sudden, the honeybee farmers were like, why is our honey 
tasting so crazy. Like what is going on? And they realized that it was the sap from these trees. And so they started calling it the dooms bloom honey. And it has like, it almost tastes like whiskey. Like it's smoky and like, it is weird. It is so weird. And it's kind of cool because they're done. They're done attacking the trees. Like that was the one little window that you could try this one and only time. Yeah. So I don't know. So it changes all the time. It is the hardest oh. question for me to answer. So, but those, those are the That's top so three cool. that come to mind. That's yeah. so cool. I have friends I that, that like, I, hard I have friends that run a uh, mango farm in Honduras and they give us their honey and it's like oh, cool. so beautiful because it's mango blossoms like, and the, it just has its own unique you know how honey is like it has its own unique yeah. flair and flavor and it's really dark. It's like a really, really dark honey. Um, cool. it's just so cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a honey connoisseur as well. I, I, I like to taste a lot of different honeys, um, but I've never heard of either of those ones that you just described. So now I'm like, well, mm. I do remote honey tastings too. I, I ship out wooden wine boxes with all your little here's my, oh, it's, oh, it's over. We are doing this. <laughs> And I do like an online class where you learn all about bees and taste the honey. So that, I'm, I'm kicking that off for the holiday season this year. It's going to be oh great. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that's a great segue. Is there okay. anything else? We are going to have to put that in the, yes, yes that's going the in the show notes. We're going to have sure. all of this in the show notes for everybody, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah. And it's a great little holiday gift because a lot of people like wait, there's so much stuff like get stuff out of my life and this is a fun experience you know so you can sit I down love experience and, gifts love yeah experience you join gifts. me on a Zoom mm-hmm. call you have your beautiful honey in front of you and you learn it's like a master class about bees and honey and you eat honey it's fabulous oh my gosh oh my gosh so cool all right so I just want to I just want to make sure we'll have the stuff in the show notes is there anything else that you want to give our listeners on the radar of like how they can interact with you if there's anyone that wants to reach out to you or if there's any other things you offer like what how can we you know how can we get the word out yeah I mean I Instagram is my main tool that's what I use I try and keep up on the dms it's I fail a lot but it's crazy. You but, have um, 150. You're yeah, just she has 150 k followers almost, right? You're uh, you're a very large oh following, so I know that's hard to keep up. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about bees, like that's where I push all this stuff that I'm doing. So yeah. Awesome. Well, we are so grateful. This has been such a pleasure, yeah. and we'll have everything for our listeners. So if they want to connect with the holiday gift or the bee tasting. Or if they just want to, you know, talk to you further, it'll be all in the show notes. So with that, thank you so much, McKay. We thank appreciate you. McKay. You, you guys and are wonderful. Yes, thank, thank you, so you for much. thank you for listening, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. 
This is basically where we let loose. Completely unedited. We are literally just shooting the breeze, having fun. You can see our full personalities and it is a blast, honestly. It's pretty fun. So if you want to join us, you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned. And that's it. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become. And this is how we do the work.